0: Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast. And today I'm excited to talk with Ryan Rogers, who is the founder of Retail Optics, Who's also spent 18 years as working for Target, finishing up as a buyer there. Ryan, welcome on. Thank you, appreciate it, Jordan. So I gave kind of the quick 10 second overview of who you are, but we'd love for you to just give yourself a little intro in terms of how you're helping brands now and what you've learned from your experience with Target.
1: Sure, yeah, I, uh, I as you mentioned, I had spent 18 years at Target, which was great, great learning experience. Um finished up my last few years there as a buyer in the food space. So I was in on the produce team buying um a number of different categories, but a couple of categories were plant-based food and uh healthy snacking. So I was working with brands like Perfect Bar and Once Upon a Farm and and anything and everything refrigerated plant-based. And that got me some uh really good exposure to small brands and emerging brands. And as I was doing more and more of that, I was Looking at the landscape and enjoying that space, and I was trying to figure out a way to stay in that, Um, and so that led me last year to a third-party sales force that kind of focused on those kind of emerging brands and helping them sell, and then left there a couple months ago and started my own consulting firm to kind of help build brands, build and grow through kind of this buyer lens that I have, and and can kind of provide them that. Help and expertise uh, through the unique kind of experiences and and visions that I've I've had. So, I
0: love that, and I know that um, it's been great because you've been able to get a pretty well-rounded experience and can talk about lots of different topics. And we're going to get into some of that today. Let's sure. start with your experience in Target and how that um, can help our brand community now. So, I'm always really curious about you know perspectives on the grocery business at Target. You know how successful it was and um, if it should be the target that'll, or you know, pun intended, I guess that a lot of <laughs> founders should have because I hear a lot of founders say, "Hey, I really want to sell to Target, like that's my goal, like that's when I'll be successful." What's been your kind of perspective on on how brands can grow and target and
1: succeed? Sure, yeah, I think overall Target is a great retailer, and the grocery space has only continued to grow over the years. Um, it, but it has its own set of challenges. So I think, you know, really before the pandemic, there was a lot of like really good pockets of Target grocery where people would use that. Like here in Minneapolis, people use Target as kind of a main shopping trip. They do a lot of their core shopping at Target and that is somewhat unique uh, to the rest of kind of the country. So there's different pockets around the country that also have that, but for the most part, it's a, it can be a fill-in trip for a lot of a lot of consumers. And so as we kind of rolled into the pandemic and people were trying to limit the number of shopping trips they were making, and Target had really kind of been out front and trying to create a great omnichannel strategy. Target really saw a lot of you know wins and, and improvements and guest kind of uh, traffic with all these different ways to shop there. So drive up, pick up in store all these different things. And, and that I think really helped grocery and helped, you know, kind of things continue to move forward. So I think overall within grocery, it's only going to, to improve as, you know, some of those, you know, smaller brands that target might've had and have gotten a little bit more exposure throughout COVID and things like that. So as we kind of move through there, I think you'll only see that improve. So.
0: Yeah. You know, that's my experience from my, my own experience where, I would be in target maybe, maybe even sometimes for like a gross random it's like for a specific thing or it's like, Oh, I to grab this real quick or just like the discoverability because I think target just has really cool stuff all the time. Sure. That's one thing that the team's really good at curating. Um, and so, yeah, I was just always curious on, on that shopability. but I think that's one point you mentioned at the end, which is really key of the kind of drive up services and all the other like ways of buying online and the hybrid approach that really stands out because as you mentioned, Target was kind of at the forefront of that. And it's a big business that a lot of people don't realize. And I think I saw a stat recently that 42% of all the um I think it was like online grocery sales were from the click and collect programs where people are, Mm -hmm. you know, picking up at the store. Um what has been your experience with like that being a just really big taken off point and has that changed like how Target has, you know, worked with brands?
1: Yeah, I would say it's, it's kind of a constant evolution, right? Especially with a lot of the bigger brands who, you know, I've seen more and more growth within that space. And then some of the brands I was working with were leaning into that harder and harder and seeing even quicker success. So it's definitely, if you're in Target, it's something you should continue to take advantage of and leverage. And I'm sure we'll have you know, a tools to succeed in Target, I would, you know, I'll, I'll harken back to this point of just like, yeah, you like leverage that opportunity and, and incentivize that consumer to, you know, stock up in those moments and things like that.
0: I've heard from brands that it can take upwards of, you know, nine months to a year to get into Target as a new brand. Um, can you talk about like what that timeline looks like and the best ways to really approach, you know, Target buyers?
1: Yeah. I think the big thing there is patience. Um, I don't know if targets super unique in their timelines. I think, you know, the Kroger's and the whole foods of the world are probably relatively similar, but target does have long timelines. They, they build in a lot of time to, you know, give themselves to, you know, create planograms and, and things like that. So, you know, you might pitch, you know, nine months out from a set date or, you know, even longer if you're going to get into any sort of private label conversation. So yeah, that's, you know, you could be, you could be in a line review, you know, almost a year out sometimes even in food. Um, There's some, some departments are trying to speed that up and there's, that's typically for one of the, you know, larger touch points for a certain category. So some categories within food at target have multiple touch points and some of those are smaller changes and those can be a little bit of a quicker timeline. So um, those are typically more around the perimeter of the store. I think if you're looking at kind of center store grocery for target, you're going to look at pretty long, you know, nine to 12 months sort of timelines typically. Yeah. I think where um, most I can tell you, cause you know, I was a, a
0: CVG founder myself, what most founders don't realize, they think like, oh, grocery stores just have unlimited space. If you think about like, no, every inch of that shelf space is filled with something right now. And so in order for you to get your product on the shelf space, they have to take something off. They have to
1: get rid of inventory. Like it's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. And Target's seeing a lot of the basics really kind of dominate through COVID. And that's created like a lot of retailers, their own level of of in-stock challenges that they're trying to help themselves by, you know, maybe curating that assortment to, you know, reduce some of the complexity and some of the items. And so they might, you know, targets had its timeframes where they're, you know, even, you know, taking out more than they're putting in just to kind of ease the shopping trip for consumers as well. So that part's been really tough as of recently too. And so I, I definitely feel, you know, as someone who's, you know, trying to do a lot of help in this new business that I have trying to help people with target. Like it's not typically going to happen even the first try either, especially if you're a smaller, more emerging brand, like, you know, you might have to pitch two, three times and continue to go back and build a data story and come back and pitch again and things like that. So patience is the name of the game.
0: And then what's the best way to get in front of a a buyer at Target?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, It's kind of a twofold answer. I think anytime as I've learned, as I've gotten away from Target, uh, you know, buyer relationships are great. Um, They're not, they're not as easy to get at Target. And I would say one, because it's just kind of how they do it there. And two, there's a really awesome uh, rep culture and ecosystem around target that um, I'm a big proponent of as a buyer. I I leverage them in that space. And I think it's something that all brands should consider. I realize it comes at an expense, but um, a lot of them are former target employees or have been calling on target for a long time and have a lot of great relationships. So I'm very pro broker, at least target specific. So if there's any, Questions or guidance, you know, any of your listeners have that, you know, want to come, you know, ask me or it's one of the things I work on in my new business is how to, you know, prep people for a target or give them guidance on brokers or interview a handful of them. And, you know, it doesn't have to, I can recommend any, but any way I can help with that is, is good too.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important to know because I'll tell you, like, I normally don't recommend brokers for really early stage companies unless their goal is a very specific retailer and the broker specifically works with that retailer. Right. Like in that case, it's not just like a blind prospecting. It's a very targeted approach
1: um, to getting in. So. uh, Yeah. And they can help you a lot. They've obviously seen a lot of brands coming in out of target. I'm sure they, they can all share their success story of which brands they, you know, shepherded into target and had all this great success. Like there's a lot of really, talented people at those places that can give you, you know, plenty of brand guidance as they kind of help you over time as a brand get in. So um, yeah, it's they're very helpful.
0: So getting on anything like, into any retailer um, shelf is really challenging, but the real work begins once you're actually on the shelf. So sure. how can brands really succeed once they get on the
1: shelf at Target? Yeah, I would say the scrappiest vendors uh, in my mind, especially if you're smaller and you're emerging or even just kind of a in somewhere in the middle ground and not big CPG. I think it's really important to um, get as granular as you can. So if, especially if you're not launching, you know, full chain or are in full chain, if you have a test or you're in just in super targets or you're in a smaller set of stores like use data as much as you can. Target's got a fire hose of data that, that they can help you with that kind of highlights, you know, what's going on in your business there. And you should leverage that as much as you possibly can. So what kind Target of data that, do you get? Uh, you should get store level data. So sales data with in stocks and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and if you have a broker, obviously they could help curate that data for you. And then you should really get down to you know, your, your best stores, your worst stores, you should set thresholds on like out of stock. So everybody in this industry has out of stock challenges. So how can you help yourself at target? How can you set thresholds of like, here's my, you know, he, this is my best item and it's been out of stock at these 25 stores for four straight weeks. Like you should have thresholds that tell you those, that type of information so that you can either use your own sales team or um, you know, hire, you know, uh, some sort of merchandiser like Dirty Hands or someone to go in and physically check on those for you and yeah. fix that problem that you might have at store level. Cause you definitely want, you know, your best items to be selling, you know, at all times and things like that. So, and then Target's got a lot of great systems. So, like the Circle app is very surgical. I always give, you know, guidance before, you know, or during and after Target, like, hey, you should be. Leveraging circle. It's a great tool. It can be um, it can get you down to, you know, certain stores, certain geographies, you know, lots of different price points. You can test, you know, you don't have to be holden to a typical promo like week or weeks. You can do, you know, a couple of days here and there. You can do deep discounts for a short period of time. So really kind of leveraging their. Their tools to will help you a lot. And then, so
0: talk a little bit about that because I know some might be familiar with the app from like a consumer perspective, but like from a brand perspective, you can do like you're saying like promos by like by day or special
1: offers. What else can you do with that? Yeah, you yeah you could do different geographies. You can do certain timeframes. You could just do like a weekend. You can you know back to that example of your good stores your good items at, you know, some stores that are struggling. It's like, hey, like these are really good target stores we should be selling a lot in. You can pick that certain, you know, number of stores to like just do a discount in those stores in. So like you should leverage, you know, think creatively on how to, you know, cuz you know, it doesn't always have to come at a large spend. It, you can you can be strategic or tactical in that process in that promo process it doesn't always have to be massive top line improvements you can you know to use a produce analogy like squeeze as much out of that orange as you can you know it doesn't always have to be you know a huge discount across every store that you're in like it's a it's a useful tool that you know you can you kind of use at will
0: so that's definitely really unique and i know most um a lot of grocers and retailers don't necessarily have that precision so i think that's really really cool i mean especially because i think um target does not
1: allow like in-store demos is that right uh pre-covid they did i think they're looking kind of as you know we all come out of this on some level they're they're gonna revisit a lot of that but You know, a lot of that guidance too is, you know, that app is specific to Target, but I think the biggest thing I've learned in a lot of guidance I give in my current job is like uh, this whole kind of ecosystem was built, you know, on promos, right? It's like, okay, I got on shelf, I got to submit the promo. And if you're working through KE or Unify, it's very promo focused, but like you should continue to utilize those same tactics outside of, you know, target as well. It should be something in your day-to-day life where you're getting out in stores and seeing stores. If you're, if you're at a great, you know, set of stores in the natural channel and you're in, you know, a, you know, I don't know, like a 10 store chain, like, or six store, like town and country up in the pack Northwest. Like you should be like in those stores and getting eyes on those stores at all times and, and squeezing more out of that as you can. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really good conversation because I can tell you most founders starting out, especially some million dollars have this idea that they just need to get their product on the shelf and they'll sell itself. Sure. Right? That almost never happens. And if you do, it's like you're it's lucky, right? It's not like a um, something you can rely on. And so How, when you're talking to brands, just even generally, are you recommending they think about promotions and merchandising and all the strategies of actually selling off the shelf? Because that's where I see a lot of brands
1: running into the most issues. Yeah. I think there's going to be some natural places usually for the product that like times of the year that they're going to sell anyways. And so to me, like, I don't know my guidance, a lot of times, you, you know, during and after target, was you don't necessarily need to advertise there. You're that's when people are looking for your product the most. So bank your margin then. So think when you're thinking about a promo calendar. A don't go crazy because you want to don't want to train the guests in these stores to pick up the product on at certain times, and then you know don't over leverage at. Uh, like a holiday time where your product might sell anyway. So it's very, I think it's important to be creative in those calendars. And, and then I, I, I'm always pro like taking partners, people, young brands in this industry are all really good at helping each other on social media and, and taking pictures on Instagram with, you know, someone that they're, you know, they, that makes sense with their product. Like, well, you should be looking for promotional opportunities with those, People, you know, and things like that, and partnering with stores to potentially like help you out, maybe, you know, utilizing secondary space together that you guys could help pay for together and things like that. Like, yeah. One know, really you cool promotion. I saw.
0: Yeah. Two, um, two brands I know in Chicago. Um, they actually did a cross category promotion. So one was a granola brand and one was a gelato brand. And they actually sure. did like a coupon for each other's products through in yeah. uh, Whole Foods. Um, I got to check in with them to see how that, that actually performed, but just like a new way of thinking or like, huh, like I maybe wouldn't have gone to the frozen aisle, but now you could like buy the granola, and it's like a good fit to like add as a topping on to the gelato. And so just some really cool ways of thinking about promotions with exactly. small brands that just, I remember when you said that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Great.
0: What other um, problems do you see a lot of emerging brands kind of facing as they're growing, as you're talking with them?
1: I would say being strategic about distribution opens, you know, like it's, it's really easy just to like take approvals for certain retailers that you get, and opening up a bunch of ke and Unified Distro, but I think taking it slow at times and really saturating a market can do a lot of heavy lifting for you and really help build your tribe. And so I, I think you, that should be and something we can, you know, at retail optics can help you out a lot on is like you know those strategic steps that you would look at taking and and where you're pitching and if you're working with you know maybe a regional broker or a you know a larger broker like understanding like what those kind of regions you should be attacking i think you know it's good to get as many wins as you can but if you're going to stretch yourself thin and even a target where it's nationwide and a 300 store target authorization is great but if you're going to be spread across a bunch of different distribution centers and you're going to be really thin in some and you're going to be running ltl 3PL lanes like that's going to really that could potentially do you some harm from places that you have like no awareness no customer awareness right (laughs) right so just kind of being really thoughtful about some of the some of the way that you grow I think is really helpful too and you know you you could get lucky and all that but I think you know understanding what you're where you're going is, is helpful too
0: what do you recommend most brands do in terms of their growth
1: um, I think the it's really easy to start in the natural channel and I think that's good. I think I wouldn't necessarily discount some of the conventional retailers that are really trying to do different things and lean into some more of these some more brands that are doing unique things. I think even conventional retailers these days are all playing catch up when it comes to like plant-based items right So it, there's a lot of wins you can get in the natural channel and in the specialty channel on, you know, or even D to C with plant-based items, but, you know, you might be able to find a really good conventional retailer to grow with you. Um, And that's, you know, what I tried to do at target at the time I was playing catch up for a while and it was, you know, you take partners and you build with them. And so you might be able to kind of settle in with some of those, you know, conventional retailers that might not have been in theory, your first choice. So
0: I like that. I mean, and with that, I found a lot of that comes from like the relationship that you have with the buyer, right. And that you develop with those partners. And so what were some of the things even as a buyer that really stood out with the brands that you worked with? Like, what did they do that we were like that founder was really cool or they, you know, working with them was really easy. Like what stood out to make your job easier?
1: (laughs) Yeah. In produce, I was in refrigerated supply chain. So uh, fill rates and execution is the, uh, you know, the best way to in, in ingratiate yourself with the buyer for sure. Execution should always be one a, I think there's a lot of supply chain conversations that, you know, probably if you think you have supply chain figured out, like you should probably go back and like, you know, maybe have a second, third, fourth plan for your supply chain. Cause there's just so many challenges and that's upstream too, like pre-production. Um, but i would say scrappiness out of the box thinking um not just you know conventional ways that you know like promos and things like that like a great promo plan is great but how are you you know going back and really like being thoughtful about the business um what does innovation look like are you kind of are you targeting the right things that kind of make the most sense for your brand so Um, it was kind of usually a combination of those things that really like stood out to me, like, okay, this person's got a really good handle on their business. They execute really, really well. They have thoughtful promotions. They utilize all of these tools that a certain retailer is going to give to you, whether that's target or sprouts or whoever, like they're all going to have these days an internal system that is, you know, for like promos or advertising, that's going to help you. Like you should become a master at that because that's going to be a huge leverage point for them.
0: I think that's great. Any final tips for, for brands that you've seen?
1: Um,
0: good question. Or problems that keep coming up over and over.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think to me, I, I kind of keep parking back to it, but there's just a lot of blocking and tackling. And I think you can, you can really kind of ass- make us a lot of assumptions like, okay, I got that thing figured out. And then like a, like a co-man, for example, like we're good there, you know? And it's like, okay, well probably. And I know there's a million things on entrepreneurs and founders plates and having, you know, finding a new co-man is really, really hard, but it's probably, you know, just networking and things like that on you know, revisiting that every couple months, you know, you're looking at strategy and, and yearly plans and things like that. And, and sales and growth is all really important. But if you don't have kind of that, those fundamental pieces in place, then it can cause a lot of problems, even if you have a great sales plan in place. So um, if when you're going to revisit a sales forecast, like revisit your 3PL, do I have the right answer here? Revisit, your co-man, what does that look like? Am I happy here? Should I be spending the next couple of months like potentially vetting other options and things like that? And there's a lot of people in the space and people like me who can help you kind of even just network a little bit and and find, make connections to go like, oh, maybe there's a better option out there. Um, Stuff like that.
0: You're so right, because you have to have a strong foundation in order to be successful. And the reason a lot of companies end up collapsing kind of midway through when it looks like they're doing good work because they didn't have a foundation set or they didn't have backup options
1: because one thing fell apart and they didn't have a replacement for it. Especially now, like supply chain and manufacturing is, you know, it's all, you know, so tenuous right now because things are, it's so crazy. So it's even more important right now. There's all these commands or they're all feeling pressure of all the input costs going through the roof and run times and all that kind of stuff. So
0: so true. Ryan, thanks so much for being on today. I'll include information about Ryan in the show notes um, so that you can learn more about working with him and retail optics. Thanks so much.
1: Awesome. Thanks for the time.